podcast or if you're in the cafe worship this morning. We love you so, so much. Matt Betts, you guys uh, are amazing. We love you. We appreciate the work you do in worship uh, back in the back. Open your Bibles one more time to Romans. Well, not one more time, but one more time in this series together. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I keep telling you it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and it really, really does get better. And Romans 8 is going to finish out with the crescendo. This is hardly preachable or imaginable, and I'm excited to, to read this together. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 35. You like movies? Yeah, most everybody does. You like movies with a twist? I, I love a movie that, that the end just comes out of nowhere. I, I love the movie that you just, it's, the story unfolds in a way that you never see it coming. That, that's just the kind of movie I like. I like the kind of movie that somewhere in the middle or toward the end something happens and you're just like, what? I mean, you can't even believe that it happens. And, 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 and the end turns out in such a weird place that you got to go back and watch the movie again, knowing the second time what you didn't know the first time. You know what I'm saying? I, I love those movies. With it, with a twist. The first movie that affected me that way was Planet of the Apes. Man, I love Planet of the Apes. If we could stop church right now and go watch Planet of the Apes, as far as man, I love Planet of the Apes. But but that very last scene where Charlton Heston is walking across the beach and he comes across what? The half-buried Statue of Liberty, and then the last moment, the last scene, you realize what? The eight planet is Earth. You had no idea. It's like, what? And then you got to go back and watch the whole movie because you understand that Earth is the planet of the apes. It looks like that more these days than probably back in those days. But in those days, it was a surprise. <coughs> two movies into the whole Star Wars thing, and th I mean, two whole movies into it, then you find out Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. It says father. You're like, what? So then you got to go back and watch movie one. And then you realize, you know, that means that you know, Princess Leia is like his sister and they kissed. Yuck. I mean, you know, oh, you didn't see that coming. You had no idea that that was coming. The main ingredient in Soylent Green is... Yeah, dead people. Yeah, you didn't see that coming. You had no idea. All of a sudden, that's not even the movie you thought you were watching, you know? Dead, speaking of dead people, Bruce Willis is dead in the whole movie, The Sixth Sense. He's dead the whole time. You didn't see that coming. You had no idea that dude was dead. And then in the end, when you realize he's dead, it's like, what? I mean, that's not even the movie. You're watching a different movie until you realize the twist. Some movies have a twist like that. I, I love that. But the point I want to make today is that God's story with the world has a twist like that. As a matter of fact, God's story with you has a twist like that. Now, in the middle of this thing, you may not even realize what kind of story it is that you're living, your life story. You may have no idea because your life story has a twist. There's a twist to it. And until you understand the twist, you don't even know what your life story is like. Romans chapter 8 will give you the spoiler alert. You ready? Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Your life, is it a tragedy? Is it a comedy? You don't know. There's a twist. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. So good. 
Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I told y'all it ended big. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. Nothing can separate us. I, I love Woodburn Baptist Church for a lot of reasons, but maybe one of my favorite reasons is the fact that this church is made up of really good storytellers. I mean, really good storytellers. Adrian Cato can tell stories so funny that you don't even stop to wonder if they're true. <laughs> they're just so funny. You hope they're true. You, you, you know what I mean? I mean, Adrian is amazing. W.B. Adams has some good ones. Yellow shirt. W.B., raise your hand. Yeah, this is W.B. Adams. Uh, take him out for lunch, guys. Let him just tell you stuff. W.B.'s got good stories. I like the story of the time you shut down the men's bake sale here at church. There was a dessert auction, and W.B. shut it down with his own homemade sponge cake. Sponge cake. The main ingredient was sponge yeah. Actual sponge. Yeah. WB tells a story of when Wallace Morris, who used to be our pastor, he's with the Lord now. Uh, Brother Wallace was amazing. They were on a deacon's retreat, and Wallace Morris forgot his towel. Now, Wallace was a pretty big man, and I don't want to really give you a picture, but, but, but Brother Morris didn't have his towel. So WB walked into the men's room, and Brother Morris was out there kind of in his all together, you know, uh, trying to dry himself with one of those wall-mounted hand dryers, you know. <laughs> he was trying to get his, you know, wet, naked hinder parts, you know, up into the, you know, the, the hand dryer. Yeah, it's better when he tells it. This is awesome, yeah, when he, when he tells it. Get Warren to tell you the story about when his father went water skiing, was invited to go water skiing with friends. Is that correct? His two uncles. Yeah. So Warren's dad was down in the water. Y'all ever been water skiing? You know, the, the, the boat kind of pulls you up and you start skiing. Well, when the boat pulled Warren's daddy up, it pulled his trunks down. <laughs> But he didn't know. So he's skiing all around the lake and people. <laughs> yeah, see, y'all don't know Warren's daddy, so you're picturing Warren, aren't you? You're kind of picturing Warren. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the magic of the story right there. Yeah. But Warren's daddy doesn't know that all he's wearing is a life jacket. So people are waving and yelling and he's just, you know, you know <laughs> taking several trips around the lake. And then, uh, strangely, they never invited him water skiing again, ever <laughs> again after that. M my favorite story, maybe of all time, is the story Teddy Martin tells. Raise your hand, Teddy, right here. Teddy Martin has a story about the first and last time he was ever in a boxing ring. Teddy boxed. Would you box Teddy? No way. 
When you just shake hands with Teddy on a Sunday morning, he looks at you like, I could crush you, but he doesn't. Real gentle handshake, but it's just like, ooh, you know, he's a giant guy. Teddy steps into the boxing ring. He steps in the ring with this, this angry, mean dude. They come out to touch gloves like you're supposed to do. And what's the man say, Teddy? He says, I'm going to break your nose. Yeah. And Teddy says, not today, you ain't. A good talking trash. I'm going to break your nose. Not today, you ain't. Teddy says he heard the bell. And the next thing he knew, he woke up in the hospital. <laughs> With tape all the way across his face. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we tell stories at all? And now think about those stories. Most of those stories, I mean, those are awful, you know, like unintentional nudity, uh, broken noses. I mean, most of the stories that we tell have, have dangers, toils, and snares. I, I mean, you know, but we tell these stories. Why do we tell them? I mean, and all the best stories have danger and, and intrigue and mystery and a twist. Why do we tell these stories? I think we tell stories as a way of connecting with one another. To, to know each other's stories is to, is to know each other. When I start telling you my stories, I, I'm sharing something of my life with you. If you've ever sat with an older person and they'll tell you the same stories over and over and over, why do they do that? Because those stories are their life. They're sharing their life. They're sharing themselves with you. Our stories contain ourselves. We tell stories to, to connect. I think sometimes we tell stories just to say, I survived it. I, I lived to tell the story, and now I tell it. I'm sure there was a point at which Teddy's story about the broken nose probably wasn't funny, but with time, tragedy turns to comedy, and we tell these stories, and, and we laugh later. You just got to laugh because you lived through it, because you survived it. You lived to tell the story. I probably misspoke. Tragedy doesn't always turn to comedy. You can't go through everything and say, we're going to laugh about this one day because there's sometimes when tragedy just remains tragedy. And we tell those stories too. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you're one of the widows in our church and you've, you buried your husband, you know, you know this experience. Um, there's a while when everybody lets you talk and everybody wants you to talk and they'll, they'll take it, they'll bring you casseroles, they'll call a check on you and then, and then they forget. But you can't forget. And you still want to tell those stories. You, you need to tell the stories. You, you tell the story now to try to make sense out of it. You know, the things that you just can't understand, the, the way life twists and, and turns, and, and sometimes life takes a turn, and you no longer really even understand what the story of your life is. If you've ever survived cancer, you, you need to tell your cancer story. You, you want to tell your cancer story, but, but honestly, people get really tired of hearing sad stories, and so there's a time after which you realize nobody wants to hear that anymore, but you're not done telling it. You see, when tragedy remains tragedy, we have this, this desire, this need to, to keep telling the story to, to see if this time it'll, it'll come out making sense. Because sometimes our lives take twists. 
that make us doubt everything, that, that make us wonder if life's worth living. It makes us wonder if, if this life really is just a tragedy or, or some horrible joke, an, an unfunny joke, and the joke's on me. Life's like that. It takes turns. It, it takes twists, and there are lots of moments in your life in the middle of it when you have no idea how this story turns out. You don't even know what kind of story it is you're living now, Paul knows that, but Paul knows all about that, actually. In Romans chapter 8, I mean, he finishes this amazing chapter in, in the most amazing way. He understands something about what life is. Now, he doesn't know you personally, and he doesn't know your personal story, and all of our stories are different, and they take different turns and different twists, but the fact remains that we all face the same kind of dangers, toils, and snares. We do. Life is just like that. We, we face the same sort of things. And so that's why Paul here can just start throwing it out. Trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger. I mean, we've all been hungry. The destitute, in danger, threatened with death. I mean, fears for today, worries about tomorrow. Paul doesn't know me, but he just about summed it up right there. You know, fears for today, worries for tomorrow. I mean, that's all I did all week. But what does it mean? That's the question. That's why we tell the stories. That's what's very, very important for us to figure out what does all this mean? What does it mean that life is able to include this kind of heartbreak? What does it mean that life somehow permits this sort of pain? What does it even mean? Now, Paul's been talking about the life in the Spirit and how we're adopted children of God. Paul's already said that, and we know that. He's also said that in this life, in this world, there's groaning. The groaning that comes with suffering. The groaning that comes with living in a world that is bent toward death and decay. I mean, it's all death and decay. That's what he says. And, and creation itself groans in, 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 that, in the throes of birth, in the throes of, of, of death, in the throes of decay. That's what life is. And Paul admits that. He says that. But he also makes this promise that all of this suffering somehow leads to glory. So he's going to cap it off here in this last section. And he asked the question, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? What does it mean? Does it mean he no longer loves us? No. I mean, we're in church. No. Everybody's like, no. But when you're not in church, haven't you asked that question? Have you ever just had one of those days when if God is there, you feel like you just got his backhand? You ever had those moments in your life when you just feel like you got his, I mean, if he loves me, Why? Is this happening to, to me? Does it mean he no longer loves us? I mean, that is the question under which all of our lives hang. Now, read very closely because I think this is so important. Very closely what Paul says. Back to verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Understand, Paul here talks about the very worst thing that can happen to you, and it's not death. Do you see that? The worst thing that can happen to you is not trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or destitution or danger or death. Now, if death is not the worst thing that can happen to you, what is? If it's not death, if it's not calamity, if it's not trouble, if it's not disease, what is it? The worst thing that can ever happen to you is if you stop believing that Jesus loves you. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is not death. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is not the trouble that you're facing right now. It's not the worst thing. The worst thing is if the trouble you're facing right now were to make you doubt Jesus' love for you. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? The word that Paul uses, or it's a Greek word. He writes in Greek. That Greek word for separate, it literally means divorce. It literally means divorce. That, that same word when the preacher says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's, it's the same verse. It's the same word. It means divorce. It literally means divorce. So what Paul is saying, is there anything that would ever make God divorce me? Now that he's adopted me as his child, since Jesus himself gave his life for me, is there anything now on the other side of the cross? Is there anything now on the other side of what Jesus has done for me? Is there anything in the world now that would cause him to write me off? Is there anything now after he's given me all the grace and righteousness that comes with Jesus, after he seated Jesus at his own right hand, is there anything now that would cause God to give me his backhand? Paul asks the question in verse 35. He answers the question in verse 37. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37, no. No. Do you know he loves you? Do you know he loves you? Does it mean he doesn't love you if you've buried your husband, if you've buried your son? Does it mean he doesn't love you if if you have cancer? Does it mean he no longer loves you if you get cancer and die? No. No. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you stop believing that he loves you. Life permits trouble and calamity and persecution and hunger. None of this should surprise you. This is what life is. It's not surprising that you have trouble. It's not surprising that you lose someone that you love. None of that is surprising. It's not surprising that your body gets old, that you have arthritis and, and emphysema and the heartbreak of psoriasis. None of that should surprise you. That's life. And life is given over to death and decay. There's nothing surprising about all the trouble. Nothing surprising about the darkness. Nothing surprising about pain. (laughs) 
So what's the twist? What's the twist? The cancer wasn't the twist in your story. The the funeral, that wasn't the twist in your story. That's the normal stuff. What's the twist? What's the part you can never see coming? What's the part that's so surprising? What's the revelation, the grand reveal at the end of the story that changes the way you look at your whole life? What is it that drops in at the end that suddenly you have to rethink the whole movie of your life? You want to go, what? And watch the whole thing again just to make sense of it now that you know the truth. What's the twist? You're loved. You're loved. Through all the dangers, toils, and snares, you are loved. Through cancer, you're loved. Through death, you're loved. Through illness, through confusion, through fear, through anxiety, through poverty, through hunger, you are loved. It doesn't make sense didn't see it all turning out that way. You didn't see all of this leading to glory. You had no idea. You don't deserve it. I don't either. I don't deserve love like this. I can't even imagine how it fits into the whole story that somehow my whole life is bathed in his love, that the river, the, 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 the stream that runs through my whole life is the stream of his love, his mercy, his grace. Does it mean he doesn't love me if I have trouble? No. Does it mean he doesn't love me if I face hunger, persecution, destitution, death? No. No. Verse 37. In all these things, despite all these things, King James says, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. That's a strange phrase. You've heard it all your life, so you don't think of it as strange, but you're more than conquerors. What's that mean? More than a conqueror. Well, the reason it's a strange phrase is Paul uses a strange word. I'm not sure he didn't make it up. Seriously. Because it's the only time that this word, the one we try to translate more than conquering, it's the only time in the whole Bible that word appears. And Paul took the word for conquer and added a prefix, and the prefix is hyper. It's like hyper conquer. It's like over conquer. So how do you over conquer? But this is Paul trying to, trying to find a new way to describe the kind of triumph that is ours at the end of this life. Do you understand? You're thinking that this whole thing is a tragedy or some sort of sick comedy, but you don't understand. This is a story of your victory, your triumph. And despite all these things, through all of these things, in all of this pain, you're going to overconquer. Overconquer. What does that even mean? I mean, you're going to conquer. You're going to win. But you're going to so win. It's like you're going to crush this thing. You understand? It's, it's over conquer. You're going to destroy this pain. You're going to annihilate this situation. You are going to drop the mic. You understand? At the end of this thing, the kind of over victory that's going to be yours is something you can't even imagine now. That's the twist. It's an amazing twist. It's the grand revelation. You are loved and you are going to over conquer in these things, despite these things, through these things, in these things. Your life has a twist. 
the first movie that did me that way was Planet of the Apes. Charlton Heston's walking across the beach and he comes across the Statue of Liberty half buried in the sand. And I realize, oh, the, the ape planet is Earth. Two movies into the whole Star Wars thing, I found out that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Why? You want to go back and watch the whole movie again just to make sense of what you know now. And the main ingredient in Soylent Green was dead people. I didn't see that coming. Speaking of dead people, Bruce Willis was dead. The entire movie, The Sixth Sense, I didn't know that. Once I found that out, it's, it's like I wasn't even watching the same movie. I like movies with a twist. The point I'm making is God's story with the world has a twist. And God's story with you has a twist. In the middle of this thing, you don't even know what kind of story it is, the story of your life. You don't even know what kind of movie you're trapped in. Is it a tragedy? Is it a comedy? No. It's a love story. It's a love story. You are loved. Pray with me.